Last week we looked at Matthew chapter 5. We were talking about uh, the various um, uh, things that can bring about anger and uh, all of those kind of issues. And, and as I was teaching, I said to myself, you know, I, I need to do a lesson on anger. I mentioned it, right? And said, you know, I'll do a lesson that we do in the counseling class on anger and, and try to help you because you probably have friends to get angry. Right, you do. I, I mean, you're laughing at them, but I mean, you know that there are people that get angry, and I thought this would be a good help others, right? Because you're all going to go out and you're going to start counseling them. Uh, so we, we want to make sure we put this in context. So I'm going to uh, start. We're going to have some uh, PowerPoint today. I don't see my PowerPoint guy around. Where are you? Okay, I just want to make sure you didn't get lost. Because I... <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to do PowerPoint, but somehow it happened. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22 is what we looked at. I want to read that. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. That's a great thing. You don't commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, everyone who is angry, that really put the bar up there, an exacting standard with his brother, shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, I know nobody here has ever done that, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court and never say enough to go into fiery hell. That, that passage there puts such a, a unique standard for the Christian that, that you can't attain. That's why you need Jesus Christ. He's got to be your substitute. Did you know, and I want to give you some facts about anger, did you know that anger is the second emotion that is named in the scriptures? You don't need to turn there. Genesis 4, 6, it says this, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? He's angry with his brother. I mean, there aren't too many other people around to get angry at. But he's angry at his brother. This emotion, okay, resides deeply in the heart and expresses itself differently in different people. It just comes out in different ways. The expression of anger is a response to some kind of a provocation. Something happens to you, they, they cut you off, they, they tell you they don't like you, or whatever it is, you can get angry at those kinds of things. The commensurate consequences to this provocation and responses are not always the same either. Sometimes you could just let it go. You know, your kid's dancing around in front of the TV. Uh, doesn't bother you sometimes, but then the whatever Super Bowl is on, the World Series is on, or Fox News, and you, you get angry with your kids. I don't know. It depends upon what the provocation is, right? You may not have thought about this, but God is angry all the time. God is angry all the time. However, and this is unique to him, his anger is always righteous. His anger is always holy because God is angry at sin. Know that. He sent his son to die for that sin. And so he's angry at it and wanted to solve our problem. And I, I thank him for doing that. I thank him every day for doing that. Just listen to these scriptures here. We see in Exodus 32.10, it says, Now then, uh, let me alone, me is God, okay, Yahweh, that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. 
He's talking about the chosen people. That's what he wants to do. He's angry at them. The situation was the golden calf. They had started worshiping another god. Now this one, why don't you turn to Isaiah chapter 5. And I find this so important for us to understand how much God hates anger and then, uh, or hates sin. In Isaiah 5.25, it says this, He has stretched out his hand against them and struck them down. Why is God so angry? Well, let's look at the passage. Verse 11. There's a pursuit of strong drink here. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that they that wine may inflame them. These are drunkards. These are people that, that they're not addicted. They're choosing to do this, folks. We want to make sure we put this in the right context. They're choosing to do this. They want to do this. Then we see in verse 12, they're paying no attention to the things of God. Their banquets are accompanied by lyre and harp, by tambourine and flute and by wine, and they do not pay attention to the deeds of the Lord. They don't give him praise for what he has done, nor do they consider the work of his hands. Uh, Folks, I, I always need to be grateful for all that God is doing, the beauty of the evening or the quiet of the morning, whatever it is. Praise God for it. Why else is he angry? Verse 18, because of lying lips. Woe to those who drag iniquity uh, with the cords of falsehood and sin as if with cart ropes. They just keep going on and on and on. Sinning, sinning, sinning. This next one is, and I'm going to say I can put a stamp on it. This is the United States of America today. This is the United States of America today. And it says there in verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That is happening in the halls of uh, the Senate, the House of Representatives, the White House, in courts, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There's, There's a substitution here that's going on. They're trying to get rid of God as much as they can, and this is the consequence that's going to happen. God's going to continue to get angry. It's going to continue to get angry. Why else we see in verse 21? It's because of pride. They are wise in their own eyes. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Because they think they know everything. Who are you to tell me? Who are you to give me more information? Not only that, there's bribery that's going on. Verse 23, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. There's bribery that's going on. Can I tell you God hates injustice? God hates injustice. Now, I know we're here and we're we're looking at what's going on in Afghanistan. and, And there's going to be some wicked things that are going on in Afghanistan. There are going to be missionaries that are going to be killed. There are other people that are going to be beaten and all of those kinds of things. God hates that. He's going to do something about it, folks. You have, there's no doubt in my mind something will happen. That's God's righteous anger there. But we are condemned for our unrighteous anger. 
Psalm 37, 8 says this, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. When you get angry, it's only going to lead to some kind of an evil. It's only going to lead to some kind of a hurt. It's going to lead to some kind of a a threat to somebody or a breaking of The person with sinful anger frets over how he looks, you know, or his thoughts. You don't think my thoughts are good thoughts. Why? And then you get angry at that. He cares about what others thinks. Others think of him. He cares only about his appearance. Anger is a response against something. In other words, they think they are self-important. They think they're self-important. Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. It it just comes out. it, It can be seen automatically. The person who is angry feels justified in being angry, you made me this way. I, I, I've, I've heard it many times. You made me do that. Can I tell you something? No one that. You choose to do that. That is something that's in your heart that just comes out. Anger deceives us into thinking it is right to hurt people who have hurt us. Well, they did this to me, so I can do that to them. No. What does Jesus say? If they smack you on the right cheek, give them the left cheek. If they take your coat, give them your shirt. I mean, he goes beyond even what we could think of doing. He goes beyond that. Sinful anger is a strong emotion of displeasure. We don't like what's happening. Whenever an event or person displeases us, anger arises. Now, the more important the event, the more important the person, the more displeasure. The more important that person is that's calling you out, the more there is a displeasure there, the more anger there is. The anger of man is manifested in a variety of ways. Provocation, uh, uh, is, and, and it always depends upon the provocation, what that is. God's provocation to anger is always just. Man's provocation to anger is usually personal. It's usually, usually something personal. That's what we get angry over. Man's provocation is usually personal. Sinful anger is a strong emotion of displeasure. Sinful anger usurps God, and then it makes a judgment. And then it does harm to others. That's what it's there for, is to do harm to others. Sinful anger is a statement of demand. I want what I want, and I want it now. I want it now. Sinful anger generally destroys something. It destroys a person. It destroys a thing. It destroys an event. And you see where they're shooting one another. Uh, Last week, I mentioned all of the the killings that happened with guns last week. 19,000 in one year with guns. And that's not because people are out there hunting others. It's because of anger rising up and people shooting somebody else. Mental attitudes cook the anger. You keep getting fed a story, you keep getting fed a story, and then how do you answer it? You get angry. You see, there's some people who think, I, I have the way, I have the right way. Uh, my thinking is, uh, is perfect. I don't need to listen to anybody else. 
I'm not backward and inefficient like you are. And you're going to tell me what to do? I mean, we could even start an argument right here. (laughs) My ideas are better than yours. This way should be done. This is the way it should be. Somebody once asked me, how do the elders make decisions? I said, we make them together. And I said, well, how did the walls get to be this color? I said, I didn't care. Nobody did. It could be any color they want. (laughs) You see, there's something cooking inside, folks. And by the way, I I give that as an example because I've heard of some elder uh, groups that would fight over the color of the carpet or fight over the color of the walls or fight over the color of whatever. Who cares? Who cares? I've been in some places where they don't have walls. (laughs) An angry man or a woman expects that others will do as they please you got to do what I say. When it doesn't happen, he explodes. I gave you that example last week of that young man that I counseled with. And, and he used to put his fist through the wall in his home, and his parents just stepped back and left him alone. Married. <laughs> he tries to do that with his wife, not put the fist through the wall, but get angry at her. And guess what? She doesn't put up with it. She confronts him. And guess what? He winds up in the counseling room with me. Identifying sinful anger. Sinful anger is mental murder. We pointed that out last week. You get angry in your heart, it's as if you have committed murder. It's basically a a hot displeasure of the heart. And it happens as a response to something that's perceived. It may not even be true, but it's something that's perceived. You think this is what's happening, and, and you don't like it happening, and so you get angry about it. Now, in Galatians, we have the deeds of the flesh there in Galatians 5, which comes just before the deeds of the Spirit. And it says there, it gives you all kinds of things. This is now the deeds of the flesh are evident, immorality, impurity, sin, idolatry, sorcery. But then it gets on to these other things. And all of this is about anger, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. All of these things start to happen. I did a a counseling situation with a couple and I asked them those questions. Do you have this in your marriage? And I got, yes, 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 yes. I looked down and I said, well, the passage ends with this. I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you before, that those who practice such things will not, he puts it in the definite, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the guy got angry with me. And he said, Bill, all you are is a fruit picker. I said, yeah. God says, or Jesus says in John 15, you shall know them by their fruit. You shall know them by what's going on in their life. You see, anger is something I do. And if you have a friend that has that anger, they need to come to the realization it's something they do. It's something they want. It is something that they want to do, use to blame or accuse others because you're making me get angry. You're making me do these things. Now, remember, this is natural to the human heart. That is anger. It's an emotion that was there before the fall. <laughs> Keep that in mind. But it wasn't used that way in a destructive way. It was used that way 
to settle issues, to work on something. Let me take you to Ephesians. I just thought of it. And, and I, I don't even have this in my notes, but I know I go through this. Ephesians chapter 4. It, it's, just, it's just glaring. I know Pastor John's going to get to it eventually here in Ephesians. But Ephesians chapter 4, and it says there... Um, Verse 26, verse 26, Paul says this, and by the way, it is the indicative, or I should say, it it could be taken as the indicative or it could be taken as the imperative. I take it that it's the imperative. That means you must do this. It's something you are to do. So it's the imperative, something that you need to do. It says, be angry, and yet do not sin. And you're starting to look at me cross-eyed here. But that's what the passage is saying. Be angry, yet do not sin. What he's saying is, take care of the issue with the energy that you've gotten from that anger, rather than letting it be explosive. Because what does it say? And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And I, in the counseling class, I always say, so tonight the sun goes down at 7 o'clock, so you wait until 7.01 that you can start and you get a whole 24 hours to fool around with it. No. It means to take care of it as quickly as you possibly can. That's what it means. But it says be angry. Because there's an energy there to solve the problem rather than let the problem go. Titus 3.3 says this, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Used to be, as unbelievers. And if there is an unbeliever here today, you have the excuse of being an unbeliever. At least we'll give you that. But you're hearing the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is you come to him. You forsake sin, you put that aside, and you follow him. That's what you're supposed to do. So the capacity to become angry isn't something that was added at the fall. It was something that was there. It was just not utilized that way. It's something that's inherently there. After the fall, it became a destructive force. Cain killed his brother Abel right away. Since the fall, sinful anger has been nurtured. Now, my... Dear uh, PowerPoint guy, if you could put that up for everybody. Good. Is it up? Okay, I'm back. But let's start with, don't I have it one, one, you know, one after another? Okay, well, didn't come out exactly the way I wanted. Okay, there he is. Thank you. Can, can we see the real picture, the real colorful one in the beginning there? I like that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it took me five minutes to do that. <laughs> anyway, you can go on. <laughs> First, here's some facts about anger. I wanted you to have some facts about anger so you know what to do about anger. You at least have the facts. You can do something about it. First, anger always involves thoughts and intentions. In other words, just as this passage says here, it's something that's in your mind. It's something that you're thinking about. It's something that you're contemplating on. I had a man who 
who got into an argument with his wife every time he came home. I said, well, what are you doing before you go home? Well, I'm listening to uh, the news. Oh, please don't listen to me. Put on some Christian music on your way home and be praying for her, okay, how you can serve her. That's what you need to do. But first, it's our thoughts, it's our intentions. We we see that again in Ephesians chapter 4. Very clearly, Paul uh, points that out uh, to us in verses 17 and 18. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. In other words, what you did before, you walked as a Gentile, and and most of us here are Gentiles. We have a few Jewish people. But you're you're a Gentile. In the futility of the mind, it's just basically trying to show you the unbeliever. The futility of the mind, they do whatever they want to do when they want to do it, and it's not good. Verse 18, being in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. When you act like an unbeliever, you're showing ignorance. You're showing ignorance because they have a hardness of the heart. They don't want to, they don't want to follow the scriptures. They don't want to be forced to do what God tells them to do. They get angry about it. So, folks, we've learned here, number one, this is something you do. It's not a force hanging out there somewhere that sort of strikes when it feels like striking, you know, like lightning or like COVID or whatever. It's not, it's not some force out there that just comes on you from outside that nobody can see. No, it's in here. It's in here. It doesn't just happen. It's not a reflex action either. Thing that you choose to do. So that's number one. Number two, anger is caused by not being able to attain our prideful and or selfish goals. I want what I want, and I want it now. We see that in James chapter 4. James so brilliantly asked the question, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? What's your source of quarrels and conflicts among you in this church? That's what he's writing to. Is it not the source, your source, your uh, pleasures that wage uh, war in your members? In other words, you want something, you're not getting it, and so now you're going to wage war about it. You lust and you do not have, you do not ask. And basically he's hinting back to verse uh, 5 of chapter 1 where they said, he said to ask, pray and ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures one saying to my wife, oh, I want, I would like to see this happen. And, and she said, uh, well, then delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That happens to be Psalm 37.4. And so after a week, I had delighted a whole week. I went to her and I said, well, I've been delighting and I didn't get it. <laughs> she said, that just shows your selfish heart. <laughs> She's right. She's right. Just because you don't get it. Frankly, you may not even deserve it. Third, anger never accomplishes God's righteous ends. It never accomplishes God's righteous ends. They're discounted. You can see it in James 1.20. He says this, For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. No matter how much, how little, 
maybe you want to do it a different way, but anger is anger. Anger is the energy you have received to solve the problem. Solve the problem. Fourth, anger sometimes points to something good and right and should be done about a problem instead. That's what you should be doing, but you don't want to. You do your own thing. You can look at Proverbs 14.8 on your own. I'm just realizing the time. Anyway, fifth, anger is expressed in our thoughts. Anger is expressed in our body language. It's expressed in our speech. It's expressed in our actions. We see in Romans chapter 6, 12 and 13, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as the instruments of righteousness. That's what you should be doing. Not just letting yourself do whatever you feel like doing. Do what God has instructed you to do. Sixth, anger involves a lack of self-control. Anger involves a lack of self-control. I was in business for quite a few years, and uh, we used to put bids in with this company for some of the product that they would buy. And uh, I would tell this one person, and every time I told that person what I was going to bid, okay, by the way, this is before I was a Christian, I'd never get the job. Somebody would always undercut me, penny, two, three cents. And these were significant jobs that I, I, you know, would pay the rent kind of thing. And so uh, I, I saw that pattern, and so I went to them once, and I gave them uh, a different figure instead. And guess what? I got the job. Which pointed out, and I wanted to get angry with this person. But instead, I just went to them, you know what you're doing. And I know what you're doing. And I could go to your boss and you'll be losing your job. So you better stop doing what you're doing. That's ending the argument before it gets started. And that was even before I was a believer. I just knew I didn't want to cause issues there. Sixth, anger involves a lack of self-control. Lack of self-control. Proverbs 25, end when your neighbor humiliates you. Yeah, you're out there arguing the case and guess what? You're wrong. Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool always loses his temper but a wise man holds it back. He's under control. And I know that all of you want to be considered wise and use your wisdom. Seventh, anger is always accompanied by other sins when it is tolerated. It just inflames the rest of the sin opportunities. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirs up strife and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. In other words, he keeps adding it up and adding it up and adding it up. Hatred and uh, animosity and bitterness and all kinds of things. And, and I have something from Job chapter 4. 
verse 8. Job 4, 8 says this, According to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity and those who sow trouble harvest it. In other words, somewhere down the road, you're going to be reaping what you have sown. And you're going to get it back and you're not going to like it. So that's what a little bit of information about anger. We need to know the truth about anger. We need to know what we need to do to how to handle those things. Folks, please, when I'm counseling, don't ever say, well, it's because of what she made me do or what they made me do or this kind of thing. That's blaming it on someone else. That's blame shifting. That was also done in the garden right Eden where Adam was blaming it on Eve, and Eve was blaming it on the serpent and all of those kinds of things. You, you, you've got this blaming it on circumstances but because you're actually deceiving your own self. It's you. Now, how to change? That's the next thing. What I'd like to start with, why don't you turn with me to Psalm 139. Let's start there. Psalm 139. This is that psalm of David that I think is one of the most beautiful of psalms. He speaks of the omniscience, the omnipresence of God. So he, God knows him all the, all the way through his life, even when he was in his mother's womb. He, he gets through this psalm and, and, and he says in verse 23, now wait a minute, I just said that God knew him when he was in his mother's womb. And now he's saying this in Psalm 29 verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. You know why? Because all of us need to make that heart exam to really, truly know what's there. Who am I before God? Who am I in this life? Search me, O God, and know my heart. What are my desires? What are my motivations? What are my inclinations? What am I wanting that maybe God doesn't want me to have? This is a true heart exam. This is better than any heart exam you can have with a doctor. Sorry, doctors. Try me, listen to this, and know my anxious thoughts. What's, what makes me anxious? Anybody have an idea what some people are anxious about today? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some people anxious about some things. I mean, I see this every day. I... Uh, I, I get emails about it. I, I'm, I'm laughing at some of these things. They're so ludicrous. But it's out there. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. God knows us, folks. He is intimate with us in our most inward parts. Verse 24, and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We want to follow God all the way. And so, that's how do we change? We need to start confessing. We're going to look at that in a little bit here in Matthew. You see that in 23 and 24. We're going to see that there. So we'll, we'll leave that till later. Second, we need to pray in for God's help. 2 Corinthians 9.8, he's able. Five times you see the superlative there. He is able. He is able. Pray and ask for God's help because he's the one who can help you through this. Third, write out your biblical thoughts to replace the wrong thoughts. 
and, and go to the scriptures, find words about thankfulness, thankful, gratefulness, of joy, all of those kinds of things that you need to start filling your mind with. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world. The world wants you to hate. The world wants you to argue. I mean, we see that all over the place. That's what the news does. Anybody here ever scream back at the TV once in a while when the news is on? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. It's, it's like you've got folks. That's what it's there for. It used to try to sell me a car. Now it doesn't even try to do that. It does other things. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Fourth, Memorize appropriate verses. Get out the scriptures, see what's appropriate to your issue, and start to memorize. Folks, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult that you can read. And by the way, I've counseled somebody who couldn't read, but you know what? He can memorize a whole lot better than all of us. Put it on a tape, listen to it, and he memorized it. Boom, like that. So just spend the time, make the effort. To memorize some of those scriptures, if you can't, if you don't know what those scriptures are, there's a, a gentleman who wrote this little book about um, uh, John Cruz about uh, certain scriptures that are used for different contexts, and and so you can look at that. Fifth, seek to put on loving and humble thoughts and actions. What can I do to bless them? What can I do to them? You have some scriptures there. That's what I need to do. What can I do to love them? Those are the kinds of things you need to do. Sixth, determine godly desires and goals to fix upon. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Is that really my, my pleasure for God? To do his will. And you know what, folks? Sometimes to do his will can be humbling. Sometimes to do his will can be hurtful. To do the right thing can be hurtful to you. Whether then you eat or drink, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 31, then whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What you need to be doing is focusing on that. Seventh, study God's patience and long-suffering. Study God's patience and long-suffering. Numbers 14, 18, The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. You know, I get up every morning and I say, well, the Lord hasn't returned yet. He's still being patient with us. He's still being patient with us. I'm grateful because there's some people that I know, maybe even some people that I counsel with, that don't know the Lord yet. He wants them to come to Him. Desires all. Psalm 145.8, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. It, it, I make suggestions about being uh, of studying things like uh, patience or long-suffering or thankfulness or grace or those kinds of things. Think in terms of doing those kinds of word studies. Eighth, be alert. Self-control is necessary. Exercise self-control and to change your thinking. 
Watch out for the situations uh, that, that always seem to erupt, the, the thoughts that may happen that you've discovered that bring this about. Resist, resist, resist the devil. And make sure that you're in humble submission to God. 1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's there for you, folks. He's there for you. Ninth, ask others to hold you accountable. Maybe it's a wife. Maybe that's where you're getting angry. Maybe it's not your wife. You know, whatever it is, you find somebody that truly holds you accountable. Somebody that doesn't mind speaking into your life. And I, and I, I, I know that that's possible, but you've got to find somebody like that. Do not remove yourself from the fellowship, especially anchored fellowship. <laughs> Get involved in the fellowship. The more you move away from the church, the more opportunity you have to let that grow. Tenth, do not associate with angry individuals. If you're in a job and you have other guys that are are dealing with those kinds of things, or or women, I mean, this is not exclusively a man's issue, or women, and they are doing those things, angry kinds of things, then see if you can get transferred. See if you can go to the, the night shift. See if you can do something else. But don't be hanging around with those kinds of folks. Proverbs twenty two twenty four: do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Don't associate with them. Now, that's all my PowerPoint. I'm used up. No, I'm not. What if, what if tomorrow somebody gets you in that place? you get angry and and it's starting to boil in you please remember hebrews 4:16 therefore therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need go to the cross go to the cross run there fast i need your help I I am about to explode. I do need your help. Please help me temper my thinking. Let me put on the right kind of thinking. I need to put off being angry, God. Help me here. And so here's the first question to ask. And I got to tell you, as a person who does counseling for people who've gotten into arguments, I ask them, so what was the argument about? I hear crickets. (laughs) They can't remember. I don't quite remember what it was. Uh, Well, can you remember? No, you can't remember. It's crickets. Before getting angry, ask yourself, what am I getting angry at? Is this something that I should be getting angry at? Is this um, something against God, you know, that's going on here and I have righteous anger? No, no, it's about me. It's about me. You have to start start putting off self and putting on Christ. Now, back to the sermon, Matthew chapter 5. There's a a bunch of other things here. You have to take the counseling class, level 3, on anger, and you can get that. Okay? Now, back to the Sermon on the Mount. What have we seen so far? 
the first verse that we looked at there, verse 21, forbids the act of murder, okay? The second verse that we looked at, verse 22, it warns and prohibits against heart attitudes that can lead a person to murder. That's verse 22. Now, third, which we did not get to look at, here Jesus now commands those who are, have something against their brother to go to them. If you've got something against your brother, you better go to them. Take care of that. Make sure. Um, uh, this comes out of the elder board. Uh, there was one time where I was told somebody said something about me and my ministry. This goes back 15 years ago. The man is in heaven now, so I can say this. I've been reluctant to say it when he was alive. And, and, he, and against my ministry and that kind of thing, that's what I was told. Remember, that's second-hand information, not first-hand information. And I just called him up and said, can we get a lunch? I, I just wanted to find out what did he say. And I asked him, I said, what did you say here? He said, I said this. I, and I said, well, this is what I heard. And he said, oh, no, no, here's the whole context. And he gave me the context. I said, great, let me buy you some pecan pie. <laughs> Why did I do that, folks? Was so that there's nothing between him and me. Because on an elder board, it can get ugly if that happens. So I, that's what I said to him. So we took care of that. He was the best of friends until he went home to be with the Lord. And so we'll, uh, we'll be meeting up with one another. The altar. And there remember that your brother or sister, we're going to put it that way, has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. In other words, don't partake in worshiping of God until you've taken care of your issue with your brother. That's what Jesus is saying. The therefore is there for the reason of taking care of business. Take care of business first. If you say that you love Jesus, then show it by loving your brother. You say you love Jesus, then show it by loving your sister. Do not let your heart become cold because that is exactly what can happen. The heart will become cold. It becomes cold to others and it says here to go quickly, solve the problems and solve the differences. And beloved, if, even if you think your brother or sister has something against you, go to them, make it right. They may have something against you, they may not. I have this story, David Pallison, who's with the Lord as well. I must be getting old. Uh, <laughs> David Pallison, who was a friend, not a close friend, but he was a friend, he told this story once. He said, uh, there was this lady in the church that for six months was ignoring him. He'd walk in the door, she'd walk out, you know, that kind of thing. And, and he just didn't know what she described. Well, what happened was David Pallison had a bloody nose, and he was walking out the door like this. <laughs> you think that's, I mean, that, that's what this woman thought, that he was snubbing her, him doing that. And that kept that relationship afar but that, that was uh, David Pallison tells it a whole lot better and even now he probably tells it much much better but anyway by the Jews was an act of worship if you were bringing your offering your sacrifice and had not dealt with the sin between you and God and, and you and others stop there in your tracks go take care of it be sure to take care of those issues with your brother, with your sister. We cannot be right with God until we are right with men. 
And men, it is not going to your wife and saying, sorry. It, it, that's, that's not what you do. You don't just go, sorry. She's heard it six million times before. You've you got to tell her there and articulate what you've done and what you want to change. And, and maybe even have a plan of change. Just because Jesus uses the illustration of the man bringing an offering. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Just because that's the illustration that Jesus brings here and gives us, that's not what's supposed to happen. You go and take care of it as quickly as possible. It's not just when you're bringing your offering that, oh, yeah, now I've got to take care of this. I don't know. Last Sunday we had communion. I mentioned to folks, go down there and make sure you're examining your heart. That's what she should be doing. But that should happen all the time. And if I've got something against someone, I've got to go take care of it. I need to make sure that I'm right with them. We have a good body of Christ here. I've got to tell you that. We really, really do. But sometimes those things fall through the cracks. And before you know it, somebody leaves because they don't like this other person. I've had that happen. I've heard it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? See how important this is to Jesus. Make friends quickly, quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Yes, there are consequences for not doing it, but he wants you to go do it quickly. When you're at odds with someone, do not wait. Do not wait. Do not hesitate. Do not delay. Go quickly and as quickly as possible. That is what's supposed to happen. As a matter of fact, it's also in the Old Testament. You can look it up later. Leviticus 6, 1 through 7 and Numbers 5, 5 through 8. Jesus gives a picture of the bringing of the sacrifice to the temple but stop, take care of business with others. Jesus is, import, is pointing out the importance that relationships in the body of Christ. There's a demand here for those relationships to be right. Now, folks, can you imagine at Grace Community Church having something against another person, coming to church every single Sunday to worship, and you keep coming, but you don't take care of it? Well, that can happen. Maybe you don't know. Does that sound biblical, though? I don't think so. What if it's in the same family? I once helped three generations of family to get back together because they had this war going on. They were all in the same church. Sunday must have been very uncomfortable. Pastor John said this, Unresolved conflict has priority and must be settled. Settle the breach between you and your brother before you try to settle the breach between you and God. That is to be hypocritical uh, by asking for forgiveness without repenting. Now, we're running out of time here. Last week, by the way, I didn't realize I had more time. I would have given you more. But uh, Hebrews chapter 12, would you turn there with me? I just want to end with this. Somebody once asked me about this particular issue here. How does somebody become bitter against somebody else? It's right here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. 
It, it says here, pursue peace. That means to hunt for it. You hunt it down, okay, with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. There's a hint here that if you're not pursuing it, you're not hunting it down, the sanctification without the Lord, that person's not saved. You've got to be taking care of business here. Verse 15, see to it that no one comes short. Watch out. Don't come short of the grace of God. And I, I say that if you have a bitterness in your heart, you're missing out on the grace of God. I don't know about you, but I need that every day. I need it every moment. I need the grace of God. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness. Now, folks in California here, you have a garden. You go out there to get those weeds out. And you try to get them out, and you just pull on them. All you did was get the top of those. You've got to get a, a dynamite, and you've got to put it in the ground, <laughs> and you've got to blow them up. You, you know how bad it is out there. I mean, they are in there. And you've got to keep shoveling them. And sh- ay, 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 you've got to be kidding me. My grandkids were here. I wanted to take them on um, gardening day. <laughs> it didn't work, but I wanted them to help me pull up the weeds. It was fun. We have fun. It was fun. Pursue peace with all men. It says, and that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. It does. It does. If we leave it in there, that bitterness just makes our hearts ugly. And it says, as it says here, it finishes up and says, and by it many be defiled. So when you're dealing with that cousin of yours who's angry, when you're dealing with that coworker who's angry and they say they're a Christian, use some of this material. Help them out, all right? And make sure that we are a temperament in our own walk with the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for how you grow us. Um, for those who have come out of that kind of an angry background, that you continue to grow them and that we continue to see your grace in it. Uh, thank you for today, Lord, as we have tried to explain this passage so that uh, we would all, Lord, um, be people who would be representative of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for your grace, and we pray this in your name. Amen.